called us the duo. <laughs> Number 49 able to come in and get the sack, Dylan Donahue. Me and Alex have always competed. All right, let's go, Alex, come on. at the 34 West They're Georgia. Coming. Edmonds is going to get sacked. We clicked immediately. Like We were, we were really cool. Because we're probably the two best players on the team. He wants to pass here on first down, and they're going to sack him. He ran into a pack of three wolves there. This year on draft season, we've profiled prospects from some of college football's most prestigious programs, USC, LSU, Texas A&M. But out of the 253 picks of this year's NFL draft, dozens will come from schools you don't see on national television every day, maybe even from schools you've never even heard of. On episode five of draft season, you'll hear the story of two prospects from the same small school who have taken vastly different paths to the unlikely football program where their shared NFL dream began to blossom. SI's Andy Staples has the story. Alex Arma and Dylan Donahue grew up on opposite sides of the country with the same dream. Alex lived between Atlanta and Athens, Georgia, and hoped to someday play in the football cathedrals of the SEC before moving on to the NFL. Dylan came from Billings, Montana. His father, Mitch, was named the WAC Defensive Player of the Year as a senior at Wyoming. San Francisco drafted Mitch in the fourth round of the 1991 draft, and he played two seasons for the 49ers and two seasons for the Broncos before retiring to open his own business. Dylan wanted to follow in his dad's footsteps. I had like a little box of his uh, VHS, and I would always watch him, and I just loved it so much. He tried to steer me away from football and wanted me to play baseball because of like, the concussions and stuff. But I, I just couldn't stay away from it. I loved, I loved the game. I loved the aggressiveness. I loved hitting people. But Dylan didn't wind up a Division I player like his dad. He took a far more circuitous route to the draft. Meanwhile, Alex didn't get to play in those giant stadiums. Instead, he drove 88 miles from home to Carrollton, Georgia, a map dot just a few miles from the Alabama border. There, he played for the Division II West Georgia Wolves. In 2015, Dylan would join Alex in Carrollton. There, they would play the same college position, but grow into very different NFL prospects. Dylan projects as a 3-4 outside linebacker who rushes the passer a lot. Alex, meanwhile, could play fullback, H-back, tight end, or middle linebacker. The story of how these teammates and friends wound up together begins in Montana, with a teenager battling his own brain. Yeah, I struggled in high school a little bit because... I had a hard time eating because I was on a lot of medication for ADD. And so I had a hard time with like my social life and it, I was kind of depressed at being on and off of it. And it, I kind of struggled in high school with that. I was real skinny, but I still, I still dominated on the field. Any distraction caused Dylan's mind to race. He tried Ritalin to fight attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. He tried Stratera. He tried Adderall. On the medication, he didn't feel like himself. Off the medication, he just felt exhausted. That's that was one of the things that like made me depressed and just want to like hide in my room. Like I didn't want to go to school, didn't really like school, but I got a, I got a second chance. Dylan enrolled at Montana Western, 
an NAIA school in Tiny Dillon, Montana. His grades, which suffered as he struggled with his ADHD and the medication for it, had kept him out of NCAA schools. They were the only ones that would take me. Things weren't much better there. I struggled with grades because everyone at that school just liked to drink so much because there was nothing to do out there. I was young, so it didn't affect my game yet. So I could still go out there, and I was scout player of the year. Like None of their veteran O-linemen could block me. My dad would come to practices and like, dude, you're not, you're not supposed to be here. Like. After one school year, Dylan left. In Georgia, Alex was finishing his senior year at Decula High School in the outer suburbs of Atlanta. He was also learning some harsh lessons about the college football recruiting process. Going through the process, you know, I uh, had some D1 schools like Mississippi State, Georgia Tech, UAB, but, you know, the recruiting process really wasn't that good for me. You know, a lot of things fell through. Mississippi State wanted Arma to walk on, but Arma wanted a scholarship. UAB went through a coaching change. Eventually, it was just... What else is out there for me? It ended up coming down to about Austin, West Georgia. When it came to making my decision, I just felt with the opportunity at West Georgia was better for me. While Alex redshirted his freshman year at West Georgia, Dylan worked for his father's roofing company in Billings. He wasn't sure if he'd ever play football again. We did everything from flat metal roofs to shingles from residential to commercial. If it was a red residential house, I'd tear off the shingles. The next day, we'd start putting stuff on and clean up. I did a lot of clean up because I was the young guy. My dad owned the company, so I had been around it forever, so I knew how to do everything. But I was still the young guy, so I had I had to still do the grunt work. It was in the middle of winter, so like it was just one of those winters where it was freezing and it didn't snow that much, so it was just like ice cold and like you're out there and like fully dressed up, like gloves, everything, and you're just miserable. <laughs> right in the middle of winter, we were doing a tough job down on the Indian reservation, and uh, we had to shovel. It was just snowing, dumping snow on us every day. We had to shovel snow and let it dry out before we could start uh, working for the day. And he, he was on the shovel crew, so he was hating life pretty much at that point. After a few months of that, Dylan began searching for a way back to the game. One day I was just driving my dad's work van, which I hated driving, and like I was just looking around and I was like, is this really what I want to do with my life? Like, Do I really want to stop and join the rest of my friends that are out here you know, just working because, you know, they didn't have the same, you know, ability that I had, you know, but I'm just wasted talent. Dylan found his ticket out of Billings while talking to some older friends who had returned home from college. They had gone on to play at Palomar Community College in San Marcos, California. What they described sounded like paradise to Dylan. There was guys getting D1 scholarships, and I was like, no way. And they were like, dude, like you're better than those guys. You should go try it. Dylan enrolled at Palomar in 2014 and joined the football team. Suddenly, everything clicked. I just felt like I had a big chip on my shoulder. I came from roofing in the winters to finally getting out here and like being back on the field. I feel like I was a caged animal, just ready to, <laughs> ready to get out there and prove myself. Things weren't so bad after practice either. It's surreal. Going to the beach and hanging out afterwards, it made it easy for me because like, it was like eye candy, like there's stuff to look at, like there's no bad mood. Like I just felt like it, it was, I was in a dream world out there. Dylan also had learned to manage his ADHD without medication. I just found ways 
I would do things in between class to keep me active while in like in between classes so I could, you know, concentrate. Stuff that like made me tired, you know, so I could think straight. I'd go work out in between classes or something and like do something hands on so I could get that out of my system so I could get my work done. He had a tutor that worked with him that was really familiar with ADHD and uh, she's the one that really helped him out and helped him figure you know, here's some things you can do to help yourself when you're studying to stay focused. While Dylan thrived in North San Diego County, Alex found a niche in Carrollton. He started at middle linebacker as a redshirt freshman. I tried to to, to branch out, you know, get get to know people because get to know the community more. I hit the weight room hard. Uh, that's when I start getting noticed. And you start to build these bonds with your teammates as well. So uh, my teammates started to trust me. After the 2013 season, change came to Carrollton. Daryl Dickey, who had served as head football coach and athletic director, would just be the athletic director. Will Hall, the head coach at Gulf South Conference rival West Alabama, would be taking over the Wolves. When Hall and his staff evaluated the team they'd inherited, they envisioned a new role for their young middle linebacker. We talked him into moving to defensive end. He wasn't that fired up about it, but he was a team guy, wanted to do whatever he could to help the team. Just a phenomenally talented guy. Uh, built really well, uh, put together really well, you know, uh, really strong, good change of direction, really intelligent, just a total package. I mean, he's Mr. West George. I mean, he does good school, he's a great person, great athlete, all those things that everybody would want their son to grow up to be. Alex racked up 14 and a half tackles for loss in his first year as a defensive end. The toss, near side, and boy, nowhere to go. Now West Georgia needed to find an end to put on the other side. Out in California, Dylan had led Palomar with 22 tackles for loss, 10 and a half of them sacks. His play had caught the attention of several Power 5 programs. He received mail from USC, Missouri, Colorado State, and others. Colorado State was especially interested, but Dylan's gap year on the roof would limit his options. West Georgia defensive line coach Josh Aldridge had played with Dylan's junior college defensive line coach at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. So he understood the situation, and he knew the Wolves had a chance to land Dylan even with Division One programs interested. We kind of have a niche here at West Georgia uh, for getting the, the best players. When you understand the NCAA rules, you can kind of understand who's going to fall through the cracks. For Division One players, the eligibility clock begins the moment they enroll full-time in college. So for Division One purposes, Dylan's clock began ticking in 2011 when he enrolled at Montana Western. He had until the end of the 2015-16 school year to play four seasons, meaning his college career would end after the 2015 football season. Those bigger programs wanted Dylan if he could play two years, but not if he could only play one. The eligibility clock works differently in Division II, though. Players have 10 full-time enrolled semesters, regardless of when they start, to play four seasons. Because Dylan hadn't been enrolled anywhere during the 2012 season, he could play two seasons in Division II. His recruitment came down to Colorado State, Pueblo, and West Georgia. The previous season, Colorado State, Pueblo had beaten West Georgia 10-6 in the Division II semifinals en route to a national title. Dylan first visited the defending champ. They had me come up the day of their national championship parade. They, they really wanted me to go there. They put a jersey on me and I got to like stand next to the players as they spoke to the whole town and it was really cool. Like It was an awesome feeling. But for some reason, their head coach didn't want me to visit uh, West Georgia. 
And so I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. And, you know, and I watched the I watched the semifinals game. They played each other in the semifinals, and West Georgia had barely lost to them. It was like a trick play at the very end of the game. And I was like, I was looking at their defense, and I'm just like, man, I need to be on that defense. Like, all these guys are flying around, stopping everything. It was awesome. Dylan chose West Georgia and enrolled in January 2015. That spring, he and Alex worked together for the first time. When I first met him, I was like, wow, this guy, this guy's really good. We clicked immediately. Like, we were, we were really cool. I understand that guy, so that's my, that's my guy right there. Yeah, he's relentless. He plays harder than anybody I've ever seen. I mean, anybody. I mean, anybody I've seen on, on Sunday, anybody. I'm telling you, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, you think his heart's going to stop. In practice, he will, you're not allowed to obviously hit the quarterback in practice, you know, so if you get a sack, you just run by him and we let the play continue so the quarterback can throw the ball. I, I've seen him on multiple occasions beat the offensive lineman, run past the quarterback, and the quarterback throw the ball and him run and tackle the guy he threw it to. You can pull up multiple clips of him just chasing people down in practice just in, th in you know in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter in certain ways you know but he just plays so hard he loves the game so much and that's that's what makes him unblockable because if you don't bring if you don't bring all you got you're not gonna block him regardless of your talent you, you won't block him because he's gonna he's gonna go from to the echo of the whistle In the 2015 season, Alex and Dylan combined for 32 tackles for loss and helped the Wolves reach the Division II semifinals. Both players were named to the All-Gulf South Conference first team. The following spring, Alex and the Wolves coaches had an idea. Alex knew the defense inside and out. Alex had been a fullback, an H-back, and a tight end in high school. Why not try him at all those positions? I was messing around with my coaches. Uh, it was actually during the fall camp. I was like, come on, when y'all going to throw me throw me the ball, let me run it or something? You know, I did it in high school. You know, I'm familiar with it. So they let me do the uh, swinging gate, the extra point. And I scored a few times on that. Uh, so And they had me in a package on offense. And then the following season, going into my senior year, that spring, we had two, two tight ends graduate, a fullback got hurt. So they needed someone to fill that void. So coach offered it to me he asked me if I can do it and I said yeah I'll do it so he's a two-time all-conference player at DN well going into his senior year in the spring and I just said you know we don't need to get him a bunch of reps tell you what we ought to do we ought to play him at tight end and fullback a little bit and just see if he can do it I said if he can do it then we'll let him do it in the fall and that'll help his draft stop you know and, and if he can't then you know, no big deal. We hadn't lost anything anyway. He's the best defensive end in the league. So we put him over in the spring, and, I mean, he's a natural. Mentally, can they handle it? Alex, he's just intelligent, attentive, and wants to learn. And He just always picked up things so fast that it was just a no-brainer. From an offensive standpoint, it was really what we were missing was the tight end just kind of set the edge, and we made it kind of simple for him, you know, gave him these things, here's what you're going to do, and he just, you know, from day one, he was good at it. The position experiment also produced the occasional collision between Alex and Dylan. Him and Dylan actually go against each other in practice, you know, so uh, they kind of fed off each other and made each other better. He was some good competition going up against uh, 
a, a real blocking tight end. The coaches still plan to play Alex at defensive end, but now they also knew he could set the edge as a tight end or blow up and hole as a fullback. They also realized the dual roles might help Alex extend his football career past college. It depends on what somebody's going to ask him to do. If he goes to a team that is going to use a true fullback, uh, I think he'll be phenomenal at it um, because he's, he's got really big hands, catches the ball really well. Uh, he's a physical blocker. He's a finisher, but... You know, if somebody doesn't use a fullback, you know, they're projecting as a true Mike linebacker or uh, some form of a, a box linebacker. I think he'll be phenomenal at that, too, because you know, when you want a box linebacker, you want a guy with intangibles, you know, because he's a, basically the, the leader of the defense. So uh, I think he's, you know, he's got that going for him, too. And the other thing, thing is the fact, whether he plays offense or defense, um, the fact that he can tackle, he's going to be phenomenal on special teams. And... That's a huge part of making an NFL roster. In 2016, Alex made the all-Gulf South first team as a defensive end and the second team as a tight end. Dylan, meanwhile, won the league's Defensive Player of the Year award after piling up 13 and a half sacks. When their senior seasons ended, their next step was training for the NFL. But as Division II players, would the league even notice them? Coach Will Hall, who recently left West Georgia to become the offensive coordinator at Louisiana Lafayette, could answer a definitive yes. At West Alabama, he coached Malcolm Butler, whose interception sealed a win for the Patriots in Super Bowl 49. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Got to find the right fit, you know. I mean, I coached Malcolm Butler at West Alabama and Seth Roberts at West Alabama is with the Raiders now. Malcolm landing with the Patriots, uh, a team that believed in him and fit his skill set. Seth the same way with Oakland. Talent is talent. I think people see that. You know, on the tape, the scouts do, and, and uh, all you can ask for is a chance. You get in there in a free agent situation in camp. The NFL is a business. I mean, they're going to keep the best players. NFL scouts had been to Carrollton. In fact, one had made special note of Alex two years earlier. It was after my sophomore season, and uh, during the spring, some NFL scouts came in to look at some other guys. And after they left, my coach came up to me, and he told me that they complimented me on my on my on my motor and how I was constantly attacking and getting after the quarterback and just working my tail off on special teams. And he told me, he was like, man, I had to tell those guys you're only a sophomore. Dylan had made an impression as well. Dylan, probably the hardest playing kid I've ever coached or been around. A lot of people say that. A lot of the scouts that came through, we even had a scout bring their own son to one of our games this year because the, the, the scout wanted his son to see the kid play. He said he was the hardest playing kid he's ever seen. I mean, he, he literally plays every snap like his hair is on fire. To get drafted or signed as a free agent, a player from a less prominent school has to prove he can play just as well as those who played against better competition in college. NFL scouts had studied Alex and Dylan at West Georgia, but how would their numbers compare to those who played in the Power Five? Dylan would get his chance at the NFL Combine. Alex, who didn't get a Combine invite, would have to wait until West Georgia's Pro Day. In Indianapolis, Dylan worked out alongside presumptive first-round picks Miles Garrett and Solomon Thomas. He measured 6'3 and weighed 248 pounds. He pumped out 26 reps of 225 pounds on the bench press, and he ran the 40-yard dash in 4.75 seconds. It wasn't enough to send him rocketing up the draft board, 
but it also didn't disqualify him from consideration. Dylan's size makes him a tweener. He's probably too small to be a 4-3 defensive end, so his best chance to make an NFL roster is as a 3-4 outside linebacker with frequent pass rush duties. And if he does it, he'll look like a certain former Wyoming pass rusher who played in the NFL in the early 90s. It is freaky. You know, we both had different coaches, and he's built a little different than me. He's definitely faster. But man, when you watch us on tape, if the jerseys were the same, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Alex's position is the bigger question mark. After all, he played linebacker, defensive end, fullback, and tight end in college. Manny Rodriguez, the former Canadian Football League linebacker who trained Alex these past few months, had to make sure Alex would be ready for any position drills he might encounter. I kept in contact with his agent, Kyle, and I kept asking him, hey, um, I know we want at, to look at fullback, but, you know, he's perfect for a linebacker. He has the speed, uh, you know, where he could just be a mobile guy from offense to defense. So we did a lot of fullback at first, and then when teams started calling in saying, hey, we may want to look at you at linebacker, then we also did linebacker drills. So his days with training, he'll go with the offensive guys with the drills, and then he'll come right back and do it from a de defensive side. But, you know, once he gets to that next level, he, he is a very, very quick learner. So whatever you tell him to do, he's going to do it. Though he is willing to do anything they ask, Alex has presented his own realistic idea for a role to NFL teams. A lot of NFL teams don't use a fullback as much, so I can see myself getting those eight to ten snaps as a fullback and then just being a dominant special teams player while also maybe backing up the Mike linebacker. And I love the game of football, so when I was doing it, I was like, man, I love this, you know. And then, that, you know, you see J.J. Watt or someone like that, you know, playing both sides. I always found it fascinating. Alex needed to put up good numbers at West Georgia's Pro Day on March 14th to make NFL teams take his two-way dream seriously. While some players at wealthier programs worked out for scouts in climate-controlled indoor facilities, the Wolves held their Pro Day outside on a cold, windy, rainy day. It was 40 degrees, it was uh, freezing cold, um, and it was raining as well. So um, after he ran his first 40, um, I literally had to go up there and be like, hey, man, you got to put on your sweatshirt because my hands are frozen. I always look at the bright side. I look at the bright side and I, I look past the weather. This is so much more than this cold weather. You know, you got to have the right mindset. That mindset is everything. Once you get, get it in your mind and once you know what you've been doing for so long, and this is opportunity to take the next step forward and possibly play the next level based off this one day, that weather ain't going to be too much to you. Alex ran a 4.68 second 40-yard dash and did 26 reps on the bench press. He also logged a 34.5-inch vertical jump. Those 26 reps would have ranked Alex second among running backs behind Oklahoma's Samaj P. Ryan at the Combine. Meanwhile, Alex's speed stacked up against pure fullbacks like Florida State's Freddie Stevenson, who ran a 4.75. It was, it was just like the weight lifted off my shoulders like, I just needed the confirmation because, you know, each year I look at those guys at the combine and I'm like, okay, I want to get this number or that number. Meanwhile, Dylan improved on his combine performance at Pro Day by benching 225 pounds 31 times. Between now and the draft, the duo will meet with NFL teams to try to convince them to spend a pick on the final day of the draft. On April 29th, when NFL teams gather for the final four rounds of the draft, Dylan will be in Billings with his family. Alex will be in Decula with his family. They'll watch and they'll wait.
both of them will be the steals of the lower end of the draft. I don't see how you're going to find anybody that plays harder than Dylan Donahue. And I don't see how you're going to find a better do-it-all player than Alex Harmon. No matter what happens on draft day, Dylan is convinced the duel will earn its way into the NFL. If me and Alex would have got a chance, you know, if you know the stars aligned and we got to play at a D1 team, we would have been, you know, top two rounds too. I believe that with all my heart. Everything happens for a reason. You know, we had, we had to go a different way. This episode was reported by Andy Staples and produced by Harry Swartout. Harry created the artwork for the podcast, and Alex Abnos created our theme song. Special thanks to Ben Eagle and the rest of SI's NFL and college football teams. I'm Eric Single. This is Draft Season. Draft Season.